we're having a threesome with Jennifer Golden, Lauren Leonelli, and Rob Evers. And now, it's complicated. Hello, Master Daters. Welcome back for another episode of It's Complicated. The struggle is real when you're dating in the city. I'm Jen. And I'm not Jen. And I am Rob. So you know how you ask your friends where you should take your first date? What on earth this text means? And if it's okay to post a certain pic on the socials? Well, that's what we call your village, and we think you can't date or relate without them. Welcome to our village, and you should be pumped to be here because we are bringing you expert guests who are filled with all the answers that will take some of the guessing out of the game. Make sure you subscribe and share our podcast with your friends so we can help the village grow even bigger. You can find us at It's Complicated Podcast wherever you get your pods, and don't forget to tell a friend. As you may have noticed... Our village is shy one member, as Lauren is still on maternity leave. We miss her even more than you guys do and can't wait to hear all about her journey into being a mom of two under two. I mean, she's had two children in two years. This is crazy. You can understand why she's not with us right now. She's got priorities that are making her very, very happy, but very tired. In the meantime, you've got us to keep you busy, entertained, informed, and up to speed on all things Rob and Jen. Jen has been pretty open and honest about her struggles with modern day dating, especially in L.A. Jen, do you ever wonder or worry if it's just not going to happen for you? Like maybe being in a relationship is more a thing of the past and being single can be just as fulfilling as Rob Max said. Is that anything that does that ever cross your brain ever on a daily basis? I think every single day, multiple times a day, because I am not a warrior, but somebody who does analyze and think about things and, you know, people daydream. But for me, I'm like, wait, should I be swiping? Do I have any dates scheduled? Did I forget about my dating life altogether? Am I older? Is it April? So that does cross my mind. And I do worry. But at the same time, I have to have faith, I guess. That's what people say, that it's going to happen for me. But it I mean, do you ever feel that way and wonder if it's going to happen for you? Because look at, you know, you're not really dating right now. Well, I actually just went to dinner with a couple of my guy friends the other night and um, we went to Bloodsoe's barbecue. We were having a little eat meat and talk about guy things type thing. And, um, you know, one of my friends who I haven't seen in a little while, he's like, why don't you just fucking do it? Just get on the dating apps. I'm sure you would do great on there, you know? And I'm like, I just, I don't want to. Like, I just don't want to do it, you know, and if I'm not going to force myself into that scene, my other friend who, you know, um, is on there now and he's actually dating a lot more than I thought he was. I thought he was going out on like one once every like weekend or maybe two weeks. He's got he's doing like four a week now. (laughs) What it seems like. Sounds like Mara. Yeah, that's what I told him. I'm like, you're going to be the new Mara. I actually told him I was like, you know, do the research for me so that we can have you on and have the male perspective of what's going on. Because just like the stories I hear from you, I'm hearing the opposite sides of the story from him and what he's getting from these women. And it's just as nuts. It's just as like, it's almost like there's no balance out there because I'm hearing him talk about what these women are doing and saying like the one woman like went through his cupboard and was like checking to make sure his plates were right. It was, it was weird. And then like other people are like, like, I think what it is is that you guys are going on so many dates and then certain people are ruining things for you. And then you're projecting that, not you specifically, I mean, just people in general project that onto the next dates So that like, you're like, well, this person was fucking weird and that happened three times in a row. So now I'm going to make sure this person doesn't do those things. And then all of a sudden you don't give that person a chance when that person could have been the one exception to the rule. But now he doesn't like you. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird game y'all are playing that I just don't have the energy for right now, you know? So, but do you feel like you're working it too much, Jen? Like, you know, with trainers, they say, was it uh, Tim Ferriss has the four hour body, right? And he talks about like, when you're working out a certain muscle, the thought process is that you go in and the more you work it, the better, the more it's going to get worked. But like, it's not true. You can, you only need to do like 10 sit-ups in order to get the abs that you want. 
You don't need to do a hundred sit-ups. You're just overworking and hurting that muscle. Or if you like sit in the sun to get a tan, your skin gets the melatonin. Is it melatonin? Melanin. Or is it melanin? It's melatonin puts you to sleep. Gets the melanin it needs in the first five to 10 minutes. The rest of the time you're just burning yourself. So like, do you think you're burning yourself by doing it so much? Maybe take the foot off the gas a little bit and then see what comes to you. I don't know. I'm talking too much. Well, I think that is a good point that you can become jaded and maybe overdo it and pick up bad energy or bring bad habits. But I don't know. It's hard to say because I have friends that have been off the apps and then all of a sudden go on the app, match with one person and they're poof, they're in a relationship. And then there's me who's going on however many dates and I'm on however many apps and I'm still not finding that person. But that then brings us back to maybe timing and matching at the right time for both people because you bring the same interests to the match. You're both looking for something real and it just happens to happen at the right time. And that's what we would hope, you know, the universe does for us. It brings us the right person at the right time. So we're ready for it. And maybe it just happens by the vehicle of the app. And it just hasn't happened for me yet because that's not my path. I don't know. Get, get me a psychic, Rob, that will actually tell me what's up. And then we can consult that. And maybe it's not me doing anything wrong. It's just that wasn't my path. And now right. it is. Well, listen, our guest today, Veronica Grant, she talks about not needing the law of attraction, right? So, so this is like one of the first people we've had on that's, that's saying like the law of attraction doesn't necessarily work. Um, which eh, the, the thing about the law of attraction is, is that the more you want something, the more you're putting pressure against it, the more you're realizing subconsciously that you don't have it. And then that's what the attraction is, is the lack of having, right? So it's not necessarily that the law of attraction doesn't work or you shouldn't use it. You just got to learn how to use it correctly. So right. if you're, if you're constantly sitting on the couch noticing that nobody's sitting next to you and that prompts you to go on a, on a dating site and start swiping. Cause you're like, Oh, I need a, why am I sitting here by myself? I, sh- I gotta be looking for my significant other. Why aren't I going on dates? Then maybe you're just attracting more of that bad thing because you're realizing that you don't have what you want. Ooh, maybe we're hacking the system here. So if you go on a good date, then maybe, and you're not coming from a place of lack, but a place of like having fun dating and then you swipe maybe the energy is better. So the trick is to go on good dates and continue to swipe. Or do what your friends did. And you just, like you just said, don't just, just take a break for a month, you know? And then when you're feeling good, like you, like you're okay being by yourself, you're okay. You like with mochi and you don't need to be doing anything else. Then maybe that's the time to go on and look. And then maybe that's the person that you find. It's the, it's what you're focusing on is the not having instead of the having what's good right now. Well, I actually think for me, when I go to the apps, it's like I'm working, I'm hanging out with friends, I'm traveling, I'm having fun with Mochi, I'm watching all the things I want to watch. And then it's more for me like, oh, wait, am I okay being alone? Like, remember that goal I had that was like to find someone like maybe I should swipe right now because I've got some spare time. I'm just sitting here watching Netflix, having a grand old date night with Mochi. So I think for me, I do worry that I might continue to age, let's say, and be okay with being single because I have a lot of fun in my life. And I'm like, wait, am I complacent with being single now? Like, how No, wrong- but you're, you, do you hear what you're saying? You're, you're literally talking yourself around circles of yourself <laughs> because you're like, maybe I'm happy being by myself, but that's what's making me unhappy being by myself. It's like, wait, what? Well, I'm not unhappy. It's more that I am comfortable being alone and I have a good time, but I also don't want to not pursue that just because I am happy being alone. No, no, nobody's saying that. It's just stop putting so much pressure. Like, look, when you go to Miami, you expect to be the hottest thing in in the city. And that's where all these things come flooding in. Right. So like, that's, that's something that's, good for you because all your expectations are gone and you're, you're just being like, I don't live here. This is just for fun. It's like when you take the pressure off of the situation, it comes to you really easily. You you just pretend that this is Miami. Do you not feel any pressure to like get a move on it? Are you not like, okay, 
my whole self-care thing that I've been embarking on is working. Let me actually put myself out there now and do it before I'm 50. <laughs> I think that I will start. I am because I am getting in shape. Like I, I, it's funny because if you go back and listen five episodes ago, what that was like, you know, five like five weeks ago, six weeks ago. So I am feeling much more secure in my in my appearance now, and I'm still working on it. I'm always going to be working on it. Um, but uh, I was just talking to the same friends we were at dinner. I'm like, you know what? Maybe that's maybe it's just not for me. Maybe being with somebody is just not for me. Do I want to be a dad? Absolutely. But being a dad doesn't mean I have to go out there and find somebody. Like I, I'm, I'm starting to like prioritize different things, and finding somebody to be with right now is still not a priority for me. But do you also think that maybe it's because you've now gotten used to not being with somebody, so you're like good because you have new habits and routines and you're fine alone. And no, cause, cause to, on the other side of that, I just bought a king size bed because I hate sleeping next to somebody in a full bed, you know, you're like for somebody to sleep there, but you're like, it's not a priority. Yeah. Like when that person, I'm expecting that person to come. It's like everything else in my life. I'm expecting to be at a house one day, but I'm not focusing on it a million percent. I know I'm getting another job sometime, but I'm not like stressing about it every day. I know that somebody's going to be coming and sharing that bed with me. When they do, it's going to be a king size bed, but I'm not going out and trying to find that person right now. Okay. So you're like almost creating space energetically and physically. It's kind of like how they say you should always have two nightstands because you don't want your bed up against the wall. What if someone sleeps over and they don't have a nightstand and they're trapped against your wall? That's like weird, bad energy. That's not feng shui. So you need two, one for your guest. I have two. There you I go. Have two, I have two nightstands. What Everything. Kind of room do you have where there's room for a king size bed and two nightstands? Are you in a palace? I live in a palace. Yes, I do. I well, then you palace. need a princess for that palace. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. But they will come when they're supposed to come. I'm not going to go out. I'm not getting on a horse and fighting dragons right now. Let's just okay. put it that way. Well, I hope the clock strikes midnight for you at some point. And in the meantime, we are really excited because, as Rob mentioned, our guest is joining us today to remind us all that we are meant for love, and we're going to find out how to go about getting it. You all may remember our guest, Veronica Grant, from previous episodes. She is a love and life coach, host of the popular Love Life Connection podcast, and helps successful women who feel like they have it all except love find it, like me. Please, dear God, help me. She believes deep work is the only way to deep love. As someone who struggled in love herself and was tired of unsolicited and usually patronizing dating advice, even if it was well-meaning, she created the resources she wished were available to her before she met her husband. Through her binge-worthy podcast, free challenges, and coaching, she's here to shake up how you find love, even in our swipe right, swipe left world. Veronica's work has been featured in O, oh, The Oprah Magazine, Cosmopolitan, your Tango, and countless podcasts, including Let It Out, Mind Body Musings, and obviously It's Complicated. And today she's going to tell us about her new book, You Are Meant for Love, a no-nonsense approach to attracting the partner and relationship you really want. She's going to reveal why the old rules for finding love are meant to be broken. Welcome to the show, Veronica. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yay. Where are you coming from? I am in New Jersey, right outside of Philadelphia. Well, did you, what? Come on. <laughs> I didn't even see that. Come on. Look, I got my, I mean, people, or the listeners can't see all the, the stuff. I'm showing her my Philly shirt and my oh, Eagles tattoo. Fly Eagle. I'm not from the area, but my husband is, and he's a Eagles, you know. Oh, well, get, sorry. Can you get him? Can you bring him in real quick? <laughs> we need to talk. We he won't even talk. come onto my podcast. So I've tried to get him on so many. I even like bribe steak, like so many things. But oh, <laughs> so I don't know if he'll make an appearance here. <laughs> that would be interesting one time, Jen, if we had like a couple and then like those two, like if you and your husband did it and then Jen and I were on the other side and doing like a, a round table, if you will. I would love that, but apparently steak won't even get him on. So I don't know what we're going to do here. Maybe some Philly sports talk would, but oh. okay. Well, that being said, Veronica, usually we ask this question, but you already answered it. Are you single taken or is it complicated? Please don't say it's complicated because that would be awkward. 
That would be awkward. I am very much taken. Yay. We love good. to hear it. Someone's doing it right. <laughs> now, if you, you've, you've obviously been on the podcast multiple times with the ladies. Have you been married all the times you've been on or has this kind of evolved in the last times since the last time you've been on? I'm trying to think the first time. No, I've been married the whole time. Yeah. Okay, good. So, so they already went over how y'all met and everything. <laughs> oh, yes. And you're here today because you have a new book and you talk about your story and how you met your husband and equate a lot of it to the show, How I Met Your Mother. Like there's this whole story that actually leads up to it. It's not just this one chance encounter. And I think it's nice to see the background of where your relationship came from and that it wasn't like, I, I was just telling Rob that we were talking about, you know, do we ever feel whether we're meant for love or not? Because if it hasn't happened yet, and at some point you become jaded and a little bit exhausted by the whole thing, but also kind of okay with just being alone because you're now used to it. Like maybe it's just not meant for us. But I have a girlfriend who opened an app one day after being off of it for a while and breaking up with a boyfriend. She was like, let me bounce back on these apps. What do you know? Finds another boyfriend. I'm like, how? How is it meant for her? but not for me or not for Rob. Like, what are we doing wrong? Or maybe it's just timing. Or maybe you're going to tell us what the heck we need to do. <laughs> How you decided we are all meant for love because sometimes it's a little concerning. Yeah. How did you go from the, from, you know, going, having the husband, then going back and deciding like, I need to tell everybody how to walk through these traps, <laughs> this forest, <laughs> you know, the trees of the forest and all that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess just a core belief that I have is, everyone is meant for love. And, um, and that's, you know, obviously where the name of the book came from. Um, but also love can mean a lot of different things, not necessarily like a romantic relationship. Although I do everything, I do believe everyone is, you know, meant for whatever it is that they want romantic relationships included. Um, and I think, you know, really like I wrote, I was, I was on another podcast and about the book and someone asked, who did you write the book for? Like, you know, was it like a client and it was really for, um, myself maybe 10, 15, probably closer to 15 years ago, 10 or 15 years ago at this point. Um, because yeah, I, you know, I, I can so relate to, um, you know, to that where I had friends who didn't even really want to be in a relationship or didn't even know if they wanted to get married and like, they're already freaking married. And I'm like, what the freaking hell? Like I have wanted this since I was 11 years old, no joke. <laughs> and I'm, feeling like I'm the last one of my friends to get married and have kids or whatever. Um, and it was hard. And so uh, it's not so much like giving up hope or like, oh, like, well, whatever, I'll just learn to be happy being single. Or I mean, I do think there's some truth to to that. But I think really, it's more about letting go and just surrendering to whatever it is. Cause like, what else are you going to do? You know what I mean? Like you do have a lot of control over things in your life, but certainly not over everything. And you can't control timing. You can't control what other people think or feel. And so when you're, and you also can't control like when things are going to happen. Right. And so the more you try to control the more, the more frustrating and the harder it's going to be. And when you can let that go, it doesn't mean that you're just, well, I guess I'm just not going to do it or I'm not going to have this in my life. It doesn't mean that it's just, it's about letting go of control of the things that you just, you know, can't control. Well, that's, ex that's exactly what we were just talking about, Jen. We were just talking about how, you know, if like overworking muscles, you know, if you're working out, you don't need to do all that. And how, when you think you should be doing something and then you put extra, you know, effort into it, it's almost like pushing against it. And, you know, we were talking about how you said like, you don't necessarily like the law of attraction is not necessarily something you should be believing in. It's, you know, something that is, I think you call it fluff maybe, <laughs> but like, but I think people don't realize that the law of attraction is also like focusing on what, when you focus on what you do want, you're also focusing the same amount of energy, if not more on what you don't want and what you don't well, have. And, and the problem is, is that that assumes that you know exactly mm -hmm. what's best for you. But like, mm -hmm. what is, what if there's something that's better for you that's outside of your realm of knowing? Do you know what I mean? And because I think a lot of times we date from like, okay, I want this and this and this and this. And so then you're going to swipe right on a certain kind of person and swipe left on a certain kind of person and, um, you know, be shut down completely when you meet someone because like, oh, this isn't someone that I would marry or date or whatever. 
um, because they're not on the list or they're not what you think you want. And the truth is, is that these things, and I mean, I think online dating does perpetuate this, especially like the apps where there's more of a profile like Match or, or um, OkCupid or whatever, because there is a lot of information there, but a lot of it is really arbitrary. Even things that we think are important are just kind of arbitrary as to whether or not the relationship can have any longevity or success. Um, but anyways, and so when you when you let all that go and you just begin to focus on how you feel with yourself or with a potential um with a potential partner, then you're going to be much better guided rather than just based on like, well, this is what I think I want. This is what I think I don't want or whatever. Cause that's all based on past assumptions from older, less evolved, healed, grown parts of you. Does that make sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. So then who would you say your book is for? Because I feel seen by it. I'm like, yeah, I needed to be reminded I am meant for love. And also where the heck do I start? And also how much energy do you put into it? How much energy do you not put into it? When do you throw your hands in the air? I think when you've tried for so long, you get jaded, like I said, and a little lost because you're like, I think I've tried everything. What's next? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then there's your book, which is a guide. So is it me? Could Rob read it or is it just for women? Uh, well, anyone can read it, you know, <laughs> it's a free. It's physically, a free she's saying physically, I can, I can read. <laughs> no, any, anyone can read it. And um, like I said, I think it's really just a love note to myself from 10, 15 years ago or so. And the thing about storytelling is that the more specific you are with your story, then the more universal it feels, right? Like if it was just a book, like where I was like, yeah, everyone's meant for love and things happen how they happen. And so you just have to stay positive that people be like, cool. (laughs) But, um, you know, I really get into sharing like what exactly happened for me and how one relationship led to the next. And I even say this in the preface of the book, like that in no way means that exactly what I did or exactly what happened for me or somebody else is going to be the exact thing that happens for you. And I think that is kind of a problematic trope in the self-help industry. It's like, do exactly what I did. And then you can have this too, whether it's in relationships or money or health or whatever. And like, Um, you can use your story to teach from and show examples, but like everyone is going to have their own set of experiences and life experience and just things that they're bringing into, you know, their own process and their own, their own journey. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I guess it just makes me happy to hear that it feels like I'm talking to you because I was really just, you know, again, talking to a previous version of myself, but I, I, I do feel feel like there was a missing voice when I first started my business, which is, you know, why I wanted to do this. Like in in a lot of ways, it's, you know, my, not just the book, but like my entire business is what do I wish had been available for me or what resources would have been available for me at the time? Because I had done a lot of therapy at that point and um, it was super helpful. I learned a lot of things about myself, um, but it didn't really help me with like, okay, but how do I actually apply this <laughs> to to dating? Like, what is that actually? Like, I understand, okay, fine, like mom and dad this or upbringing that, but like, what does it actually mean? I, I, I like have the voice in my head from Austin Powers, like, what to do, Basel? What does it all mean? And that's just like... <laughs> I hope your book is just How I Met Your Mother and Austin Power, Powers quotes. There's, definitely, there's no Austin that's... Power references in the book, although... <laughs> Um, that was a staple of my childhood. Um, Austin Powers. Oh my God. We watch those movies all the time. Yeah. So I, I really just created the book and really just my entire business around like, how can you use like a bunch of different disciplines, right? Like there's spirituality, there's, you know, like the whole inner child stuff. There's like, okay, but then also like just the practicality of like being on the apps and dating and kind of just like rolled it up and like tried to make sense of it. Um, cause I was like, I feel like if I'm like, I don't feel like I'm the only one that really struggled. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, you know, whenever I'm thinking, okay, a new, what's a new podcast episode or what's something that I want to share or what's something I want to say, I always just like bring that version of me, like, you know, just trying to freaking find a relationship when everyone else around her was. And, you know, what did she need to hear at the time? What, Jen, do you think, like, say you went, you finally like laid off for a little while, right? You took the break. Just took a little break and kind of re- like let some of that energy flow to you instead of like going to find it. And then like you went on and you found 
somebody and then you started dating and it all of a sudden it's six months down the road and then all of a sudden you're engaged by Christmas and then all of a sudden, you know, you're getting married next spring. What would, would and then you were to write a book, what would, would you be able to go back and say like, here are the things that happened for me and like, what, like, would you be able to go back to the old you and tell you that things are going to be okay? Or these are the steps that you wish you knew back then? Do you think that would be something you could do? Because I'd obviously, when you get- was said, then yeah, I'd be great. And I'd be like, listen, you have patience, work on yourself and pump the brakes on the effort, but be open. Sure. I think while all that's easy to say, you know, in hindsight, Going through it does present many, I don't know, roller coasters of emotion because when you do pump the brakes and then nothing happens, it's upsetting. And then just time goes by, especially at my age, I'm like watching literally paint dry and my wrinkles form. And I'm like, I'm, you know, closer to the age where it's harder to have kids and further from relationships than I ever was. And there was a pandemic that affected dating for two years and the apps are quite atrocious as far as I'm concerned and what I'm seeing. So with all of those things considered, I think time is not necessarily on my side to pump the brakes. It's hard though, because I know what everybody's saying here. I know that it makes sense to not put so much pressure on it and not try and Mm -hmm. control it. But at the same time, I'm also trying to be a participant in my life and not Mm -hmm. wake up one day and be like, wait, I haven't done anything to try and date or I've done too much. There's some fine line, I'm sure. And thankfully, we have your amazing book reminding me that I'm meant for love. So you preface the whole you know, introduction with why you're telling this story and then what happens. Where does everybody start? Where is there action that needs to take place? Or is it looking inward? What do you recommend people do as they go through your book? Oh, as they go through my book. Um, I think that's a good question. So I think the number one thing that I want people to do from reading the book is begin to pull out some of the patterns that they notice, right? Like I always say like anomalies happen, shit happens, right? Like just because you have one crappy experience doesn't necessarily mean you need to like go sit there and dissect it and like, what does it mean? Or is it, this is like, me playing out my mom's stuff or my dad's stuff or whatever. Um, But I like to go by like the rule of three or maybe two, if you feel like you're on a time crunch. And that is if the same things happen twice or three times, then it's time to take a little bit of a deeper look and understand where the beliefs and the actions from those beliefs are, are coming from. So I I think that um, a lot of times, you know, in dating, you can look at situations or experiences that you have on the apps or in relationships or dating or whatever and think, oh God, like why is this happening to me? Or this is so frustrating or why do I always track these people or why does this happen? Or da da da. da. And um and again, there's not an explanation for everything because like, you know, no one's God here. So no one can like explain every single occurrence. But again, when you can look at, you know, your past, like in the book, I guide people to look at the past, um, either past three relationships or three most significant relationships, even if it's not the most recent three. And just look at like, what were the dynamics of that relationship? What were the beliefs that you had? Um, you know, why did that relationship end? What, when was, why was it good when it was good? Why was it bad when it was bad? Why did the relationship, all that kind of stuff. And then when you look at some of those relationships then you can begin to understand like, oh, I can see how, I have, you know, I have a tendency to kind of ignore red flags because I really just want to be in a relationship. And so I ignore the red flags or I can see how I'm trying to get this person to like me or to validate me, just like how I used to want to get validated by my dad or whatever. And then you can start um, from there, you can start the healing work and you can begin to understand why you do what you do. And from there, it's so much easier to change your patterns, which will then over time or your ha- your actions will change your patterns, which will change, you know, the kind of relationships that you're finding yourself in. Um, I think the problem is, is that when, um, 
you know, it's funny because, you know, Jen, you, you mentioned the word control. People want to control because they're like, I don't got time to waste. And the thing is, is that you can control a lot of things. But the things you can't control are really things, you know, I advise clients to just let go, which I know is like way easier said than done. That's a whole conversation and practice in of itself. Um, but you really do or you really are able to control a lot more than you think you are on on your end. Right. Like if you're. I don't know, I'm just thinking of a random example. Like if you're frustrated by the amount or lack of communication with someone that you're newly dating with, right? Like you can get really frustrated and shut down. That can be one action. Or you can like go into frantic mode where you're constantly texting the person. Um, or you can be like, okay, what's really going on here? Like, is there really a lack of communication? Okay, yeah, I really do feel like there is. Okay, great. I can have a conversation. Um, or you can say, actually, the communication seems to be fine considering how early it is in the relationship. So maybe this is actually really just about me and my own insecurities. And then, you know, you can do some work or inner work around that. So what it does is when you begin to look at the patterns that you have and how you show up and how you react or don't react or don't set a boundary or set a wall instead of a boundary or whatever it is, um, then you have the capacity to kind of control what you're going to do a little better. Obviously you can't control everything because you can ask for more communication or you can set the boundary and the other person can be, you know, a no-go. So rejection is always part of the possibility or in the realm of possibilities. Um, but you don't have to just sit there and wait for the other person to maybe text you back or not or to see how the cookie crumbles. Like you can figure out what's going to happen um, sooner rather than later if you just take the time to kind of figure out like, okay, what's really going on? What really yeah. needs to get done? Before we continue with the show, we wanted to talk a little bit about Noom. Noom uses the latest in behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching on their platform to help millions of users meet their personal health and wellness goals. A lot of people face pressures to change themselves to fit other people's expectations, and the more freeing solution is to find things that work for you. Noom understands that everyone's weight loss journey is unique, and what works for someone else doesn't mean it'll work for you. That's why Noom's approach adapts to your lifestyle. It's flexible and focuses on progress, not perfection, allowing you to work towards goals at a pace that's comfortable for you. Noom Weight makes it easy to start your weight loss journey and stay on track with personalized lessons to help you gain confidence and practical knowledge, one-on-one -on -one coaching, and a cognitive behavioral approach that teaches you how to be mindful of your habits. 75% of Noom Weight users finish the program, and more than 60% of users that engaged with the program kept the weight off for a year or more. So start building better habits for healthier long-term results. Sign up for your trial at Noom.com slash believe. Again, that's Noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash believe, B-L-E-A-V. So you take, you're taking responsibility after like two or three times of the same thing happening. It's not that you're taking responsibility for everything they're doing, but like you're taking some responsibility for what you're bringing to the table. Yeah. You can't take responsibility for how they're acting. Right. Cause people no. are, you know, yeah. Especially like when we're talking about you know, right. bad actions, but like really any actions, like you can't take, like nothing is your fault. You didn't make anyone do anything. So I just want to be super clear right. <laughs> about that. Right, right, right. Me too. I'm not talking about responsibility for them being a dick or, or yeah, being yeah, yeah. An asshole or cheating or anything like that. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm saying, but if you're, if the same, you're getting the same results from certain things. Then after you, like you said, two or three times, yeah. you're getting those results back. Then maybe you take a look and say, okay, maybe I'm not putting what, maybe I'm not being clear. Maybe I'm not doing this enough. Maybe what is inside me yeah. is there something else I need. Yeah. And it's not even the results. Like if you feel the same way, like if you, like if you um, push people away and you do that, you know, over and over again, like, or if you um, sometimes people will like, I'll have clients that like look for something to be wrong with someone to like, as an excuse to like push them away or to make an excuse for 
why it wouldn't work out in that way you know, they can't be rejected or whatever, then, you know, that's something to perk your ears up and about like, okay, what is the belief there? Or what are you protecting yourself against? Obviously, it comes back down to rejection. But you know, with every person, they're going to have more something a little bit more specific, you know, that's going to be unique to each person. Um, and then you just have to figure well out what that is. And then, you know, the inner child work, what it does is um, what the inner child work basically does is it looks at different parts of yourself. So there's everyone has this like, there's the part of you that, um, okay. So for me, for example, like there's the part of me that's a perfectionist. I'm such a perfectionist, right? Um, there's the part of me that, uh, feels, you know, really insecure, uh, in a group of like, you know, like at a party with like a bunch of people, like I'm more of an introvert, right? So there's all these different parts of me. There's also the 10 year old part of me. Um, there's the eight year old part of me, there's the part of me that was always worried about what my mom was going to say about my body if I had gained, you know, five extra pounds or whatever. Do you know what I mean? And so what inner child work does is it helps you see these different parts of you. And then when you are feeling triggered or rejected or upset or angry or whatever, basically a way you don't want to feel, then you can figure out, okay, what part of me or what's the part of me that's, um, taking, you know, what's the part of me that's like reacting here? Or what's the part of me that's um, calling the shots, right? Mm -hmm. And then from there, you can say, okay, 10 year old, this, you know, you're not <laughs> about to go on a date with your mom. So you don't have to worry, like, he's probably not like, he doesn't care if you look five pounds heavier or whatever. Um, and then from there, you can kind of talk yourself off the ledge, you know, do some reparenting and her child work around that, and then show up in a different way so that the part of me that feels confident or the part of me that feels good in my body is the one calling the shots and leading the way on that particular, you know, insert on that date rather than the part of me that's like, oh, please don't notice that I'm fat or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's just an example though. Yeah. Yeah. So let's say you do this relationship history chart, which mm -hmm. you have in your book and you look at your patterns and you, you know, let's say you're dating also while you're reading this book and you realize maybe you are triggered. But what if you don't actually know what a healthy relationship looks like because your parents or because you've never been in one if you look at your last three? And how do you then know what to look for or what you're doing wrong? Because if the other person's telling you, let's say you're dating someone and they're like, you're this, you're that, but you think it's them, how do you know who's actually right and what it should look like? So you know if you know who's right. Well, first of all, that's probably like a a what's a zero sum <laughs> game, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, um, so the answer you, is me. I'm right, Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's right for you based on how you feel in your body, right? And I do believe we all have that ability, regardless of. Um, whether or not you've personally experienced or seen a healthy relationship. So whether you're yourself or friends, like my parents didn't have a healthy relationship. Um, I had been in, I, I guess I'd been in one other healthy relationship before I met my, my husband, the other so we're like, oh, I don't know if I call it healthy. Um, but, but I do think that we all know what feels okay and what feels right. And we get that through intuitive signals in our body. Um, now, I will say that sometimes it can be hard to either hear and or trust those signals, um, but not because you haven't seen or experienced a healthy relationship before, but it's more of because we live in a society that tells you to like value logic and reason, which nothing wrong with that. Like those things are important and certainly play their role. Um, but we live in a society that doesn't really value um, emotion, creativity, um, more of like the feminine aspects of, you know, if we're looking at the feminine masculine, like dichotomy, um, we just live in a society that's like, that just doesn't tell you, this doesn't allow room for trust, right? It's like, if you like, I'll give you a totally random example. Um, so when I was pregnant, um, everyone would ask, oh, are you having a boy or a girl? And I was having a boy. So I would say, boy, by the way, next time I'm pregnant, I'm telling anybody because I'm not dealing with this bullshit again. Um, but People would always say like, oh, you're so lucky you're having a boy. Girls are horrible. They're just so emotional. And this happened yeah. over and over and over. I was shocked. I was like, 
and a lot of times it's coming from women themselves. I'm like, are you like listening to the words coming in your mouth? And so basically what I'm trying to say is that we live in a society that tells you just to shut down emotion. Our emotions are bad. It makes you emotional or it makes you needy. And this is all how you glean information in your body, right? Like we all have had this experience, right? Like if you, um, you know, have ever had like a close call, like in a car, like where you almost got an accident or when you're walking on the street and there's like, um, I don't know, like a dark alley and like, Ooh, that doesn't feel safe. I should probably like call a cab or not walk home or whatever. Um, you probably get some sort of gut feeling or some feeling in your body to tell you like, you know, that was a close one or we're not going to do this. We're going to do that instead. Right. But we get those kind of signals on a daily basis and often more subtler ways that can guide you like, does this actually feel right? Like the, per- the way this person's talking to you or the way this person's treating you or what this person's trying to convince you of, like, does this feel right? Um, but again, if you, if we live in a society or, or in a culture where it's like emotions are bad or don't, you know, you, or just doesn't, again, doesn't value this, this skill, then it's going to be a lot harder. So I think that's more of the problem rather than just simply the fact that you haven't seen that experience a healthy relationship. That makes a lot of sense. I went on a date recently because that's what I do best, or I guess not best. I do it worst, (laughs) but I do it. (laughs) So at least I'm out there, I guess. Maybe I should just quit. It's hard to say. I'll re-listen to this episode later and learn from it. But I went on a date and the guy picked me up and I got in his car and I was hungry prior to him picking me up or something. And I knew I was going somewhere. I was really excited to go. And for whatever reason, when I got in his car, I got a very bad stomach ache. And I was so uncomfortable physically in my body for the duration of the date. I couldn't get out of there quick enough. And I felt like it had to have been a sign because I went somewhere I really enjoyed and then it was miserable. So needless to say, I didn't see that guy again. But now Mm -hmm. my question is, how do you do that when you're flipping through the dating apps? Like, how does how do you judge your body against somebody's dating profile and whether you feel good about them or not? Okay, so I I love this question and I was actually talking with a client about this exact topic earlier today. Um so okay, there's a couple things I want to just back up. So I said earlier in our conversation that some of the dating apps like Match and and what I call the traditional dating apps like Match, OkCupid with like the more profile Um, We think that that's great because there's like all this information about, you know, the person. Okay. And that can maybe give you a better sense as to whether or not they're a good fit or the right fit for you. And I mean, there's certainly some value in that. And, you know, we can discuss that and it's debatable, of course. Um, But I also think that if you think about um, the apps and and now I'm talking about the swiping apps, we've been swiping in our heads for as long as you know, humans have been interacting (laughs) with each other and Tinder just made an app out of it, right? They just put technology behind it. And so I think that when you think about it from that perspective, I do think that there are some, you know, biological processes that are way beyond my wheelhouse that, um, you know, create an attraction. And of course, you know, there is a difference in real life, like in person when you are at a bar and you walk in and you're like scanning the room. I mean, there's, there's a difference, right? Because there's pheromones and other like smells that we have no conscious, <laughs> um, you know, awareness of or, or whatever. But I think that, you know, you can just play a fun little game of, well, well, first of all, if you're on the apps and you're feeling really crappy or you're feeling really frustrated, I just don't think you're going to be in a good space to, to, to be on the app. So like, I would just go do something else <laughs> until you can get into a better headspace, whether that's five minutes from now, five hours, or just the next day. Or, or desperate, right? Or desperate. If you're feeling yeah, desperate. Or, or like, or just like kind of check where you're come from is right. Like, you know how sometimes we're looking on like Instagram or whatever for that dopamine head of like the likes or the comments or the follow or whatever. So if you have that kind of like need when you're getting on the apps, then I think it will actually be pretty hard to listen to your body and to your intuition because you'll, it'll be so that, I mean, it's a power, it's a powerful feeling, right? Wanting to get that dopamine hit. Um, so I always tell my clients, like, if you're not feeling good, just don't get on the apps. I, I do think that whatever time you spend on the app should be super intentional. You know, like if you are going to a speed dating event, or if you're going to like any kind of just, just really any in-person thing, whether it was as, dating thing or not, like you would probably 
put some intention behind it, right? Like you might think about what you'll wear or how you'll do your hair or your makeup. Um, and it's not that it's not like in a vain or a shallow kind of way, just that that's what we'll naturally do when we're going to go, um, you know, out somewhere. And you might also think about where you want to go or who you want to be with or how you're going to get there. Like there's all these things that um, have to fall into place to get to some event that you're going to go to. And I think with online, especially with, well, with, with the apps, I think we kind of treat it as like, check my email, check my Instagram, check my hinge or my Tinder or whatever. And it's just part of like this habit, right? And there's no intentionality behind it. And so when it's just part of like your dopamine hit of just being on your phone, then I do think it's going to be really hard to, um, you know, do exactly what I'm talking about here. So I always tell my clients, like, have a designated time that you're on your app and then get off it. So like maybe for 15 minutes or 20 minutes a day, that's when you'll scroll, reply to messages that you have, do whatever you need to do. And then you're off. I mean, there's apps that will like time you out so that once you hit like your quota, if you, if you don't feel like you have willpower, that will let you back on the app for the day. And I even tell clients like, you don't have to do this, but if you want to, like, I know it's, you're not like seeing anyone, but like, I don't know, like put some fun lip gloss on or like just freshen up. And it's not necessarily, again, for that person or for impressing anyone because no one's going to see you. You're just on the apps, but it just helps you get into that headspace of just the same thing you would do of taking the time and the putting the effort and the intention to like going to any in-person thing that you might do, again, dating related or not. So anyways, when you have all of that set up and you're approaching the online space in that way. Then, and and again, there's that intentionality, there's those boundaries around it. Then I think it's much easier to show up and you swipe and you look at a profile and you just are going to get curious, right? You're not necessarily reading the profile or just looking at the pictures and you're just, what do I feel? Right. And, and, and like, it'll be probably so subtle and it might be hard and you might be just taking a wild guess. Like, I think that's how I feel, or Mm. I think a left is how I feel or a right or whatever. But, um, And it's not going to be like a strong, you probably won't have like a strong visual reaction. Like, you know, you did Jen in the car where you're just like, nope, nope. That was your body. Definitely like, get me out of this car. Right. Like that was definitely like a very clear no. And I'm not saying you're going to have a super strong physical reaction. Um, But I think that you might be surprised as to how you actually do feel like a little flurry of excitement or a little like, Mm-mm, this doesn't feel right or, or it doesn't look right or whatever. Um, and then swipe and swipe left. And I, um, and you know, I know there's like algorithms and no one knows what that is or blah, 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 but I'm also okay with like, you know, swiping left a lot and really just saving the rights for something that you are really excited about. I also am a really big fan of swiping right on people that you would normally swipe left on. Not that I'm telling you to go against your intuition, but like if you're unsure and it's someone you would normally swipe left on, like just swipe right. It's not going to, you, you know, you're not going to, lose anything probably from that. Um, and I do think that it's a good practice of dating outside of who you think your type is, because again, like we don't necessarily know what might make us the most happy in our relationship. So that just, I think just invites opportunities to expand. Just going off topic a little bit. I mean, that was beautiful, but like, and it's related to that, but like, I, I just, I just wonder like, how do you, you say you've married for like 15 years, right? I have not been married for 15 years. I, I'm trying to do the math in my head. I was doing it quickly. So I met my husband in 2013. Um, so we've been together for nine years. Nine years. And you've been so, but nine years was, was all the swiping and all that other stuff. Was that around nine years ago? Was that? I didn't, I, I did a little bit of swiping. Okay. I was mostly on OkCupid and hinge. So Tinder was around, but it was definitely more of like the hookup app at that point. Like it hadn't really evolved into a more serious dating app and Bumble was not a thing. Well, that, that, I mean, I'm just saying because like I, I'm not on the apps, but like you, you just gave the most sound advice to somebody for being on the dating apps. It sounded like I was like, wait a second. I, I reminded myself halfway through that you you've been married for nine or you've been with somebody for nine <laughs> years. And I was like, how does she know so well what, how like this all works? And like, that was like the most grounded advice that I've heard given. Well, I will say that a lot of my 
take on the dating apps are not necessarily from experience, although I, I did do a lot of online dating um, in my day. Um, it's more just based on like, I think that online dating is just a microcosm of how our core wounding and inner child and um, patterns just play out, right? Like a lot of a lot of my clients come to me and they're initially like in this place of like either thinking online dating is the problem to their love life or online dating is the solution to their love life and they need to figure out the solution like mm-hmm. how to play the apps or whatever and i and my whole thing is like to be honest like you can do whatever you want on the apps or you can be not on the apps at all like you can do whatever you want because the app isn't really the problem right the apps are um Vehicle. usually just like a magnifying glass yeah. to whatever the bigger issue or whatever the bigger pattern is. And so from that perspective, like I could talk all day about it because like, that's my jam is just talking about the patterns and what's really getting played out. And I also will kind of like jokingly ask and rhetorically ask people like, okay, so match.com came around in 1995. Are we saying that nobody had any problems with dating prior to 1995? And like, that's just not true. Right. And, um, a good part of my dating life was before, um, the ops, not, not, not all. And still like relationships and dating freaking sucked. <laughs> and so, um, but I, I actually had a really great experience in the apps. I love the apps. I didn't have any, I mean, not to say that like, I didn't go on some dates where I'm like, well, that was a freaking waste of my time. Like, of course, but like overall, um, I just, I had, you know, lived in small towns most of my life. And so then when I moved to the big city of Washington, D.C., I was like, oh, my God, there's so many people on these apps. There's like more than five people (laughs) in my age range. And so I really I really loved it. So maybe I also just have a more positive outlook on it. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's what you just said, right? You just said it's all about what you come on to the apps with, like what that energy is that you come on with. So, you know, uh Jen, what do you think? Do you think like that you're going to start figuring out different ways to go about it? Or are you going to keep on the same pattern that you've been doing? Or what What do you think? I am going to do a hybrid approach, I think. I'm going to make my swiping more intentional. But I do wonder also, and I always like ask for very concrete advice because I need direction because I'm obviously doing it wrong. I even say that to psychics. I'm like, give me the path. But uh, tell me what this is going to look like. But I think... I've tried everything like, you know, being really selective and swiping left on a ton of people. But then I'm like, oh, my God, am I being too selective? And I have no idea what I should be looking for because you only see what you see. So they put their pictures, the ones they select and curate that they think will resonate with people. And then they either put prompts or they don't and they answer them a certain way based on their sense of humor. So you only have a sliver of information to go off of or images to look at. And so I feel like I'm a pretty good judge of character, but then when you're weeding out everybody, I switch to, well, maybe I shouldn't weed out everybody and I should go against the grain and pick people that I wouldn't normally pick. And then that doesn't work out. I'm like, so is my gut right? Or am I just not meant for love? Who's to say anymore? Should I just (laughs) stick on and swipe for five minutes a day? Because then I burn out like Rob said with muscles. I think There's so many things that come up also in like, you know, dating in LA that make things a little bit more difficult and challenging. There's also so many apps. So then there's a scorched earth effect where I'm now like, should I go through the cycle? Like you said, Veronica, message, mail, Instagram, app one, app two, app three, app four, flip on Netflix, repeat, start cycle over again when an ad pops up on Hulu. So it's just... Mm -hmm you try so many different approaches and then you end up kind of sometimes where you started and then you want to give up, but then you're like, no, I can't give up. So thankfully we have this book that reminds us that we are meant for love. And then you also have, wait, me too. Am I meant for love too? Of course. Are you? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Jen, can I, can I, can I just say one thing you've said it like five times just in, you know, the 30 minutes or whatever we've been talking. One thing that I would say is you've said multiple times, Clearly, I'm doing it wrong. Mm. Right. And so it might be interesting for you to play with that belief or that thought a little bit. So 
when you feel like you're doing it wrong, what are the what are the beliefs that come after that? What are the actions that you take because of that belief or the actions that you don't take because of that belief? And that might be an interesting thing to explore. And then if you believed that you were doing it right, what would you be doing different? Yeah. And is it you're doing it wrong? Do you really believe that you're doing something different? Or do you think that you're doing it wrong because they're not doing the thing right for you? Guys, you know how many it's like a roller coaster up here or like mental gymnastics. I go through all of these thoughts daily and I pivot my approach because I'm like, well, if I'm doing it wrong, then maybe do it different or this worked for that person or this is that or maybe I should just stop altogether or maybe it's them. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's L.A. Maybe it's the app. Maybe it's my photos. Maybe it's my bio. Maybe it's this. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to marry Mochi and call it a day. Yeah, but it's none of those things. That's no. the thing. <laughs> Here's the thing. You can do whatever you want. Like, I, I, I think the idea of like, um, having like this approach, oh, it's my pictures or it's this or it's that all of that is just, it's just a distraction. It's just, yeah. Like you said, it's mental gymnastics. And, um, I always tell my clients, I'm like, you can do whatever you want. Like, if you want to be on the apps, you can be on the apps. If you want to have five pictures, you can have five pictures. If you want seven pictures, you can have seven pictures. Like you can have a long profile, you can have a short profile. You can do whatever you want because, I just like, I, I think there's a difference between um, trying to go on dates and then trying to be in a long-term committed relationship. And sometimes those actions can get a little, you know, we can focus, you know, like it's it's like clickbait, right? Like five texts to, I don't know, get them to I do or whatever, right? Like I want to know what those five texts are. I think I talk about this book. Like I would click that. Although I would try not to because tired of like those, those articles and those blogs making all this money from ads or whatever. But, um, it's just, it's so sticky. Right. But like that stuff is really great for, yeah, getting dates and having sex and all that kind of stuff. But like, what are you going to do past the third date? Like, is there a script for that? Right. Mm -hmm. Or are there texts for that? Like, no. And, and this is why, um, you know, the inner work is so, so important because, you can do significantly less dating, but also have significantly more, uh, what we might call results, <laughs> um, just by really focusing on the inner work. Cause so much of that stuff just doesn't matter. Your pictures and like what apps you're on or how you're swiping or it just, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. You, know, you can do what you want. You can do whatever you freaking want. You can have whatever you want. You can ask for whatever you want. You can have whatever boundaries you want. You can, you know, whatever, like you can just do whatever. And I think that sometimes dating advice falls into like some of these patriarchal tropes of like, um, don't expect too much or don't be too much or don't be too emotional or don't be too needy or da, 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 da. so basically it's just like different ways of telling you to water yourself down. And again, like that might be great for having a date or getting a second date or even a third date. But is that really going to lead you to, you know, a commitment or a long-term relationship that feels equal and healthy and loving and all that kind of stuff? And, and yeah. doesn't give you a stomach ache. And doesn't give you a stomach ache. I believe, I believe, too, that there's a lid for every pot. You know, I believe that everybody's got somebody out there. I know that you think that everybody and everyone has a soulmate or is a soulmate. But, yeah. um, you know... The, I think too, Jen, that, you know, or, and me also, you know, maybe your, maybe your future husband's getting divorced right now and is trying to get out of a bad marriage and it's just taking him a little longer to get there. You know, <laughs> it's like, you just have to just kind of trust the universe and trust yourself going into it and know where you are now. And then maybe you're just playing the game and knowing what, when that person does show up, how you are, and then you could be your best version of yourself when that person does come in. Absolutely. Well, I will be definitely doing the relationship history chart. And Rob, we could actually make a whole like hang out of it. You and I could do it together and share what we learned on an episode. And yeah. thankfully, we do have this practical guide to being meant for love. I mean, we really just have to continuously, I think, remind ourselves of it if we are becoming jaded and things like that. But Tell everybody where they can get this masterpiece and also where they can work with you, what else you have going on, how they can learn more from you out in the universe. 
Yeah. So my book, You Are Meant for Love, is available uh, on Amazon and I think pretty much wherever you can get books. So definitely Amazon. You can also go to veronicagrant.com forward slash book. And we update that with all of the places where you can um, buy the book. Um, I also have a podcast um, called The Love Life Connection where you can listen to, you know, wherever you're listening to this podcast. And um, on that podcast, I bring on folks to be coached. So if you're kind of curious, like, how does the inner work, you know, kind of work and how does how do you apply it to your real life, then that's a great place to kind of just see what that's like. Um, and then um, I work with clients one on one. And you can learn more about that at veronicagrant.com. Mm, Jen, maybe we maybe we just put a little money towards it and then see how see how it goes. Use you as a little guinea pig experiment. I'm down. I love to be a guinea pig, I guess. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank Your you. Your inner so guinea pig. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm also a teacher's pet, so I actually really like to learn and change and grow. Good. I want to win at learning. So Good. sign me up for all the things. Thank you so much, Veronica, for coming on again and for your book. So happy to have it in my possession, read it, and also force Rob to do some of that work with me because we're both on this journey. We're both single and apparently we're both meant for love. And everybody, you need to keep tuning into It's Complicated where Rob and I are clearly on a path to growth and we're going to talk more dating and relationshipy stuff. And while you're there, please subscribe, rate, comment, share it with a friend, do all the things. And if you want to join the class of master daters, don't forget to follow us on social media at Complicated Show. Rob, where can everyone find you? Everybody can find me on Instagram at Forever's Evers, F-O-R-E-V-E-R-S-E-V-O-R-S. And you can find me at Jennifer Golden. Thanks, guys, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to It's Complicated. And now that we're going steady... Come back next week for another date with Jennifer Golden, Lauren Leonelli, and Rob Evers.